Chris Ross. Tony Williams, how are you? Very well, Chris Ross, as I live and breathe. Yes, I'm here, I'm alive. I've survived the first three days of being furloughed. So oh, you've been furloughed, have you? Yeah, I've been furloughed for three weeks. So, I mean, at the moment, it just currently feels like a nice week break, to be honest. But, yes, because uh, they had yeah, to do... So they had to do that, I think, by, was it the 10th of June, that if you were going to furlough, then you needed to furlough by then? Yeah, exactly. So they decided to, yeah, to take advantage of the scheme for basically as many people as they, as many people as they could. Yeah. And yeah so, so it included me. So in case we need to use it again later. So, so I, I, hope you, I, I hope you've done your research. Oh, well, I mean, I read your list of topics that we have to ask. But I know not, we're talking about the Green of All Stars in 2001, a controversial side. Right. Okay. We'll talk about that. Um, so John Taylor, so my history with Sterling, I guess, is very much based around the Scottish Cup because okay. they didn't get into the, um, to the, the, the league stuff until later on. Uh, yeah. And then there was a guy, I, I, and I've been thinking of the guys that I used to play against, and there was one guy called Willie Taylor. Now, okay. Willie Taylor was a grave digger. <laughs> And I, I came shouldn't across, be amusing, but it's always an amusing job. I came across Willie Taylor as a 16-year-old, and he got picked for, I think it was the under-16 Scottish side. And he okay. turned up, and we'll have to ask, because John Taylor will know Willie Taylor, I've no doubt. Um, and we couldn't understand what he was saying. I mean, he spoke as quickly as I have ever heard anybody <laughs> speak. Um, yeah. And it was like, Willie Taylor, Willie Taylor. It was just, you couldn't have any conversation with him <laughs> at all. <laughs> so I have to ask him about that. Um, and then, I don't know, I've gone on and I've done a bit of work on the, on the history. Uh, yep. So there's, there's some great stuff. Like they, but they bought some sight screens and they just okay. sent the bill to the council. <laughs> and just and did they get away with it? I think so. And then in 1928, there's a story about them buying a horse, and then uh-huh. being prepared to sell the horse for the for the highest amount. And if they didn't sell it, then they would just keep the horse. I mean, there was just some some ridiculous <laughs> nonsense. Are we moving? Have you you've cracked, haven't you? This is no longer a cricket podcast. It's just a sort of weird history of Sterling. Absolutely, absolutely. So listen, let's get John Taylor on. I'll admit him in. Uh, there's a picture there that I'm going to share. In fact, okay. what I'll do is I'll get this picture up now so yep. that we know that it's definitely there. And I'm just going to share that now. So you'll see that there. So this is a picture. Wow. This is maybe the picture of 1985 when uh-huh. they won the county championship. But, but somewhat strangely, there's only 10 players there. So again, we, we have to ask about that. Uh, and it seems to be quite an elderly team. It does, although, have you seen any of this stuff that's been doing the rounds on Twitter and stuff over the lockdown of like footballers in the 70s and 80s and people oh. who were, were 27 look about 45. <laughs> so that bloke up in the back with the glasses, yep. he could actually have been, do you know what I mean, 21 when that was taken and he's just just had a real, real rough paper round. That's, that's the Harry Corbett. He, he was the guy yeah. who invented Sooty and Sweep. <laughs> and then we've got Bill Frindle here. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's, what's his face, Smith. Is it, did he not play for West, this guy? Oh, yes. That's Giraffe, isn't it? That's Giraffe, Gordon like a double Smith, ganger. Yeah. A double ganger yeah. of Giraffe. And yeah. this guy was the, was the pro. So listen, okay. enough of this nonsense, um, and let's get our man on. Uh, yeah. The, there's just some excellent haircuts. Oh, fantastic. So listen, let's get the man in. We've lost our shared screen, by the way, John. Yeah, that's fine. Ah, the man, the legend that is, John Taylor. There he is. Good morning, Jory. How are you, mate? I'm very well, yourself? Yeah, fairly hellish, mate. Fairly hellish. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. Listen, what I want I to do is before, before we start, right. is I'm going to share a screen. So if you can have a look at this, you, you, I said that I was going to talk you through this. So oh, yeah. we're going to put the screen up of 
And, and what we'd always like to do is just to go through the names from the top left-hand corner through um, and then just tell us your thoughts on, on these players. So start with the top left. Well, top left, uh, that, that was an early season picture, uh, not the end one. But, is, that uh, why there's one only, is that why there's only yeah, 10 players there? Only 10. We, uh, we think George might have been turning up late like he normally does. He was just putting a wee day shift in down at Fines, <laughs> there, right? <laughs> but, uh, Graham Manson, he was uh, a policeman. He played bits and pieces during the season. Uh, decent player, smacked the ball around a little bit, uh, but uh, always good player. Uh, Davy Anderson, the ex-captain, uh, he was one of these, uh, well, you'll remember the expression, a paper three-four, always knew how to come on at the end and pick himself up three-four yeah. and get in the paper the next day. Yeah, yeah. That was Abe's, Abe's top class. Uh, Jimmy Matheson, another ex-captain as was, uh, uh, he came across from Stenishmuir, uh, another reliable guy, yeah. Uh, Did he bowl? Uh, I remember his face. Did he bowl for you? No, no. He was uh, very much the opening bat, smack it around and, and see oh, what could he? happen. Eh? Great hooker. Great hooker. In rugby, that is. A, no, no, he was a great hooker at the ball. <laughs> uh, and that was his one his one go-to shot. So uh, it was quite good in early because a lot of people used to bowl bouncers in those days. So yeah. All right. Uh, next in the line, we've got our close A, Dougie McGowan. Wiley left-arm spinner. Uh, original school and in that season uh, I don't remember much about all the games but what I do always remember is Bruce was Bruce was captain at that stage I don't he's not in that photograph because I said he, I think he was already playing for Scotland or some rubbish like that right uh, but Closey Bruce used to throw Closey on uh, whenever a new player came you know somebody who'd not played Scottish cricket before alright okay uh, and, and he'd, he'd just come out and bowl these big high flying lobbers Absolutely uh-huh. superb, right? but as soon as he came on, myself and uh, you had Brett, you had Doc, all these guys just scattered to the boundary, just trying to get out on the outfield so we could take all the catches. <laughs> and these guys just came in, Brucey threw him the ball, right close, he just did the usual, mate, no worries, we've got five guys out there just fucking bolt them. <laughs> and nine times out of ten, it worked every yeah. single time. The guys who knew him just went, I'm not getting out to him, I'm not getting out to him, but the rest of them just just fell by the wayside, the old Cosey. <laughs> he's 80 this year, uh, and he still comes down to the club now and again. Oh, that's fantastic. Good lad now. And the and guy next got, to him, I know. Yes, you do indeed. That's Donald Morton. That's Willie's brother. Yeah. Uh, Doc, yeah. Doc was uh, a, good, a good squad player to have around. He, he, I mean, he, he was a tenacious little guy and a uh, good, good uh, fielder as well, which uh, in those days, sometimes you were just going, because we could play, it was a time game sort of thing, and you could you could end up with two guys bowling all day. Uh, yeah. So, you didn't, you, I mean, and it, and it could be the same. Either you got completely rolled or three guys did your batting all day. It was like playing junior cricket at some stages. <laughs> uh, you did all your best players in there, eh? But, yeah, Doc, Doc was a, a great guy. He, he, was, he only retired a couple of years back, but he went through the whole, you know, went from the bottom to the top and the top back down to the bottom. A great club guy. Yeah. Uh, Adam Hall, front row. Uh, didn't play much uh, mojo, as he was called. Uh, he's out down in London, a, a high-flying businessman now, found his real vocation in life. Uh, Brett McCurdy, the pro, top bloke, right. top bloke, really knew how to, you know, where get the best. Where did he come from? He was an Aussie. Now, I'd, I'd be testing to say where he actually based. He was based in Sydney. I'd still speak to his missus, uh, Michelle. She's in one of the county old dogs uh, sites, with no offence intended, Michelle. Uh, and, uh, he, uh, he keeps in contact uh, Brett's not quite that sort of guy but to be fair he looks exactly the same as that just a little bit more weathered yeah uh, there's my good self in the centre I will pass on that I know uh, and don't ever criticise my hair again Johnny uh, <laughs> it was the moustache I was going to go for John it was a time it was a different era a different era you know we're all Freddie Mercury in the days and uh, Neil Tranter, keeper, uh, punts, as he was called, he was a, a really good cricketer. Really came down from down south. He's, he's back down near the now. Still going strong. I spoke to him by email a few weeks ago. Uh, but he was always, you know, he could, a real gritty guy. He put in some really, you know, it wasn't 80s and 90s. It was 30s and 40s, but really top draw. And then left, uh, last but by no means least is Kenny Wright. He was, uh, uh, he was our go-to man, as they say, eh? 
Kenny, uh, right. every Friday night when we were a man shop, we'd go to Kenny and Kenny would come <laughs> in. <and> so, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, Kenny's in Amsterdam now. We, we've got an old Gits uh, Zoom meeting uh, and Kenny's the organiser of that. Eh? But, uh, yeah, Kenny, Kenny's uh, always, always there and thereabouts with the boys. Uh, and that was important. Right? And obviously, we're missing Brucey out of that one. And our overseas amateur, Kevin Toot, who was yep. 17 and built like a brick proverbial. Uh-huh. Uh, nobody, he played in our under-18 side and yep. people were refusing to play saying you've got this guy's about 35 players. <laughs> typical Aussie eh? you know typical Aussie just a big big guy uh, and he just smashed the ball all over the place as well eh? but a lot of players did in those days it was a way forward so that was 1985 it certainly was and that was the first year because I guess Silverware at Sterling is is not something that you know a great deal about. It, it's it's fair to say. Yeah, uh, I mean, we when I was kind of thinking about all the the sort of stuff that's happened and and over the years, I was thinking about all the the stuff we won. Fortunately, we did win. I mean, uh, I was captain uh, way back at the start. Uh, what we uh, we Grant McKenzie came across a great Kiwi guy as a pro. Eh? Mm-hmm. We called it the wilderness years, eh? Because <laughs> Grant, Grant McKenzie, me and George Maguire and anybody else we could find. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, at that stage, we just didn't have any players. Brucey had left, Mots was away down south. Uh, and, all, you know, Phil Teske had moved on. So a lot of guys had moved on. Uh, and it was that era when nothing was happening, eh? So when we, when we got into it, uh, it was, all, you know, we, we won quite a few trophies after that. Yeah. Uh, the various... Pros coming in obviously helped the game, Johnny. You know yourself, you played against some really good pros and with good pros and you learn so much. But I think now nowadays I look at some of the, not so much the character of the pros, but the, the type of player at the moment doesn't seem to want to sit in there and you know, have a wee chat with the pro or have a wee you know, get together in the bar over a pint. You know, there's, there's a little bit of that disappears from the game and it, it was important in our era, I think. Do you feel then that the pros are just almost hard guns and they're not necessarily prepared to, you know, put a shift in and 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 bring the kids on? On I, your I, I, mean, I, think, I think there's some. I think there's some pros who definitely are excellent in that uh, field. Eh? There's other ones who just rock up and it's all it's all about the money side of things. Eh? And it, it's a sad in, indictment. But I think some of the older pros were all the name pros. You know, the, there was a higher level. Having gone through the East side, the Conference side, the West side, the National League, you go through a lot of bloody leagues, you know, and you kind of experienced all the different pros and different guys, you know. Like, uh, you know, like I said, I can't speak any more highly of somebody like Clarence Parfit and the work that he's done up at our clothes. I think we're all aware of that, you know. Uh, and some of the stuff that uh, down at air, you know, all the pros down there did a great job down at air as well, bring on the youngsters as well. So, I mean, there is guys out there, but... Sometimes it's all about money, eh? and you kind of wonder uh, why you would spend that amount of money on some guy to win, if you're lucky, 500 quid. (laughs) (laughs) John, you wouldn't even do a good night out, mate. (laughs) John, you seem to hit then on on that, the subject of, like I guess, recent pros and stuff. Was it Brandon McMullen a couple of years ago? Yeah. You seem to really hit that middle ground between somebody who was an excellent cricketer, but from everything I picked up was really, really brilliant around the club as well. Yeah. What's the sort of process yeah. you go through to identify that? Well, within the club, it's, it's like saying initially, when you get the guys into the club, it's not just to say, you're the hired gun, get on with it. Mm-hmm. It's a case of saying, you're a bonus. If you get runs and you get wickets, then the rest of us will get some runs and wickets. And so then you get a bonus. It's not, you have to get, you must get. It's the case of saying, well, we've always had that at Sterling. You know, the first approach is always, right, uh, how good are you? Right, well, you're not that good, mate, because you're, you're over here in Scotland, you know. And <laughs> you just have a bit of banter with a guy, you know. And immediately, we, we keep the crack going. Brandon uh, is an absolutely phenomenal cricketer. He was, a, he was actually an amateur, eh? Yeah. Uh, uh, and he's across this year, believe it or not, uh, he's at Sterling University. So he's across this year sitting, scratching his various bits and pieces going, when can I play? When can I play? When can I play? And he's desperate to get down to the ground to do a bit of this and a bit of that. Obviously, we can't allow it, eh? So we're giving him, he's doing loads of videos for him. <laughs> you know, get in the hall and do some videos and show the kids and 
you know, he's got a string on a bit of rope and he's rocking up in his gear and yeah. he's halls of residence. We saw that. So, yeah, we cut yeah, cops so, a bit on here the other week. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it's great. But the thing is, he's, he's such a great guy. You know, the only thing, I spoke to him a couple of days ago and he says, I'm golfing now. And he says, I can't go, I'm back golfing now. And I'm going, oh, well, at least you've got something to do then, mate. Eh? So it's, ident I think, identifying and bringing them into the club and not treating them as a superstar, yeah. but treating them as a normal player and just say to them, right, there's a wee bit extra you've got to do. Uh, how do you feel about it? Sometimes it works, sometimes it, we've been quite lucky with overseas. We've struck with the amateur route for, well, since Kabir, I think, Kabir Khan, uh, we've gone amateur. Uh, and we've been quite lucky because we've had some good ones. Uh, everybody has uh, one or two hiccups along the line. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty to, to put in there. But uh, yeah, so it's just about introducing them into the club and saying, right, guys, come on, thanks for helping us. But by the way, go and clean the buckets eh? or go and, uh, go and sweep the dressing rooms for me, mate. Eh? It's just a favour, just a favour. Uh, and they seem to respond to it, you know. So the, all the guys, have, I, I've certainly not had any issues with any of the guys whatsoever. Uh, but uh, I try to get on with everybody as best I can. Eh? And and is he going to? Have you got him for three years? Then if he's at Stirling Uni, I presume he's doing yeah, some sort of he's, course. Yes, well, we'd like to think we've got him for three years. Eh? But he's a top draw player. Uh, obviously, I, I'm sure you're both aware of the situation in South Africa. It's very difficult to to make your way in the game because uh, mm -hmm. of the you know the their laws and, and restrictions. Uh, so Brandon's across here, and he's hoping now that he might gain some Scottish recognition. I think he's playing for the. The Warriors, he's been playing for the Warriors yeah. last, not, not last year, obviously, because he wasn't here, but the year before he played with the Warriors. So that's one qualification out the road. I don't know. And has he I got a GP passport then? Yeah. Right. So he's, he's, he's looking, he's looking to stay here for quite some time, eh? but whether that, I mean, you don't, you don't know yourself. I mean, his route might be down to England. Mm -hmm. His route might be, you know, Bigger, better, it's up to him. No, I don't think there's anyone bigger and better, but then everybody would say that about the club. Eh? So, <laughs> so, so the lot used to stay with us forever more. <laughs> Until he gets tapped up by somebody. Oh, as usual. <laughs> aye, yeah. I can see so your brain worrying there, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. There's that, there's that Edinburgh phone call coming off. <laughs> did, did you ever get a call like that, John? Do you ever get tapped uh, up? Yes, yeah, yeah. I got one. I got one. I got one from Holland when we'd gone on tour in 85. <laughs> We played. Uh, we were playing a tour game in Holland, and uh, a guy. Uh, after, I got some runs or something. I think we were all steaming, actually. To be fair, I got <laughs> some runs, and I believe it or not, got some wickets. Uh, and I got a phone call saying, do you, "Do you fancy coming across to Holland to do a pro job?" And I went, uh, "Wait a minute, I'm only across here. I just got married here. Well, let's, let's, work, let's work this one out." Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, but no, no. I, I've always been loyal to Stirling. Uh, I love the place. I love the new place, obviously. Uh, the old place had so many memories as well. But yeah, I, I, if that phone call had come, there'd only be a couple of clubs I'd even consider. But uh, it would have to be a, it would have to be a major, yeah, major bounce in the old yeah. pocket. Eh? So not uh, that anybody gets paid, of course. No, of course it's a totally not. amateur sport. Totally <laughs> amateur. Nobody gets paid. I'd like to see, put that on record now. <laughs> Did did you play in any teams where you knew people were getting paid? Not not at Stirling, definitely not at Stirling. Uh, I can say that honestly, eh, because uh, I've seen the budget. Yeah, no I've money. Been the, I've been on, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing there. I've been on the committee for a few. I played against a few sides where I went, Jesus. Uh, I can remember one game, uh, and I'll, it's not going to be unusual for anybody here, but. Uh, uh, we were playing Dunfermline or Fife, the infamous yep. Dunfermline or Fife, and we dropped up and were doing our great warm-ups and all that sort of stuff, as you can do at McCain Park. And it was about quarter two, and, quarter two, and about eight of the guys hadn't rocked up yet. Yeah? And then suddenly they all started arriving in fleets of cars, and I'm going, what the heck's going on here? Eh? <laughs> uh, but, of course, you didn't have any proof, but I think uh, the proof was in the fact that uh, Dunfermline got Bend a few years later when they got, when their accounts got checked for overseas yeah. players. So yeah, yeah. But there is there's obviously people are, are getting paid, and, and but I, I'll refer to my earlier comment. Why would you pay people to win five hundred quid? You know, if if you were getting millions, yeah, go for it. Mm. <laughs> 500, 500 quid, I, man. Honestly, it's unbelievable that people, think, what people would do. You know? I think John, that's going to be the strap line of the <laughs> of the podcast this week. 
So t- take us what? what? Take us back to 1985, and uh, I, I noticed that I was going through the history, and I noticed that you obviously won the championship in 1985, and then quite mysteriously, the scoreboard got burnt down as well. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was our own stupid fault. To be fair, or part of it was our stupid fault. Eh? We tried to be nice to some of the Neds that were floating around there, eh? and then we just walked <laughs> up on a Sunday morning to find the board had gone to buggery. Eh? Uh, it's a, a big black scoreboard right in the corner of the ground, but mostly brick. But uh-huh. obviously, internal workings were ever there, and then, uh, there was a. We used to get problems at Winfield all the time with the, the Neds popping over and, and thinking it was a throughway. So you yeah. get guys walking across the pitch in the oh, middle of the game. Yeah. You're gonna. So, and then you had the ice strike behind us. So in the latter days, uh, and with the ice strike, you always had people queuing up to get into skate, and they were all over the shop. Eh? So uh, so you, you had a few people who used to go, excuse me, do you like to move that way, get away from the bowler's arm, would you like to get away from that? And then you had other people who were just behind the scoreboard getting wallied into the bevy, you know, and, and you just went, oh, Jesus, let's leave this. And then obviously somebody had a word with some of them about hanging around too much. And then the next day the scoreboard was gone. <laughs> <laughs> so much for being nice. Absolutely. Yeah, that was that was a. Uh, uh, it's funny because that seems to get more in the history of the club. That seems to get more play than the fact that it's the first time we've won the championship in about thirty years. Eh? So, <laughs> but that's the way still in this. So, well, well, if you go through the history, yeah, all all there is 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 talk, and and this is just the history on the website. All the talk is every sort of second entry is about vandalism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was about we we bought. Uh, a set of covers uh, off West Lothian. They were corrugated iron. They weighed a ton. Uh, uh-huh. David Callender, who used to play for the club, used to have a, a, a kind of forklift type, a big lorry. So he brought them down. They had to go to West Lothian to pick them up on this lorry. They were that heavy, right? So we thought, this is great. First day out, a couple of hoses, looking good. Metal, heavy duty metal. So we plonked them on the square on the Friday night. Right? We came down and Morning, there was one on the far end. He lifted bloody things, and these guys had come down, kids or whatever, and just done it. You know, and you just went, "Oh, what's a bloody point?" You know? <laughs> it's, it's just you can't. We couldn't win because we we're a primary school behind us and an ice rink, and then in front of us was the uh, sorry, a primary school in front of us and the high school behind us. So, so <laughs> in the end, it probably worked to their advantage because it was uh, the fact that they needed to have an area for a new high school. Uh, that allowed us to go down to the new place now. So, I think there's just places that are hotbeds for it. I seem to remember turning up to play at Renfrew one day where the, the covers and sight screens had been all sliced to pieces by wee guys over the weekend and then getting somebody shouting at me like, ha oh, are you Andrew Strauss? And I was like, you don't get to bully us for playing cricket if you know the cricketers. Like, that, <laughs> that, really that's, 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 that's a class bit of it. Class bit of work there from a vandal or whatever, you know. <laughs> is great. That's a that's a success. <laughs> uh, I remember Hags telling me, David Hago tell me uh, they bought a, a green cover to put on the ground. Way well, I don't think I put it on the roof or something. Like I ripped it all up and I bought a new stud. You can't. But now where we are, and I'm going to touch wood on this one. Uh, 14, 15 years down there now, and the only thing we've had net. As a trailer, and that was caught on CC cameras. So, yeah, it's been absolutely, it's a breath of fresh air down there. Right? You don't have to rock up going, right, what have I got to do? Because it was like, you had to paint the pavilion every April. Mm-hmm. No, that, that was a God, God given. You had to turn up to paint the pavilion, paint the site screens, and paint anything that could be painted on. Uh, because they deal with winter, like four or five break-ins every winter. I don't know why they wanted to break in because we drunk all the beer at the end of the season, do like we normally do. Eh? So, so it, it was it was crazy times, you know. And uh, it was I, I suppose nowadays there's less vandalism uh, that you see going around, uh, but there's still some bams out there, eh? so, especially on a cricket field. Eh? So it's, it's great being in an area where nobody can walk to. You know, <laughs> yes, they have to yeah. walk to because you sell. You know, the, the type of vandals you get now have to travel by car. <laughs> That's our bonus. So, so 1985, did you horse the league? How, how easy was it? Yeah. 
No, it was, it was a, a quite a, I don't recall, as I said, I don't recall much of the, and rain, as usual in Scotland, played a part. Yeah. Uh, but in games where you could draw, uh, you know, you still had that element where you go, oh, Jesus Christ, somebody scored 350 against you, so no, we're not going to get that. Let's just door it for the rest of the day. And you ended up 98 for seven or something like that after 52 overs. So you had that element, and we, we, we picked up a couple of good points on that. We won games that we were expected to win. Uh, Dumbartonshire, who don't exist anymore, for example, they were quite a tough opponent. But as usual, Aberdeenshire, uh, these guys were all involved in it. And there wasn't any different. Forfa uh, were a good side in those days as well. We always have been. But uh, uh, we, we got to the stage where it was a triple day, or the last day, and, and we'd know because those were the days when uh, people used to trust each other. So if you said it was wet, everybody went, well, that's it then, it's wet. Thanks for phoning us. No travel. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, everybody's got to travel. The umpires have got to travel. Who makes yeah. the decision? Nobody yeah. can. So it was on a Thursday night, and I'd been hosting it down in Stirling, Christ knows, all, all week, eh? And uh, the previous, I think two weeks before that, we'd gone up to Aberdeen on a massive 65-seater because Aberdeen wouldn't uh, let us. <laughs> they said, oh, you're going to have to travel. So we went all the way up on a 65-seater, all 13 of us, because the fans went, well, we're not travelling. No chance. Uh, got up to Aberdeen, had a couple of pints with Smithy and a few of the boys, and then just headed back down the road on a, on a, a massive bender. Uh, <laughs> and it's just every town on the way down in a 65-seater bus, I think. so. Uh, and it was just good times. But we got to the Thursday, as I said, been horsing down all week, and the call was going to be made on the Friday that we weren't going to play. Uh, so we were kind of on a three-day bender, eh? Did, did you, need to, did, you obviously didn't need to play. You were sitting top, were you at that no, stage? No, we were sitting top. We, we, yeah. we were, no matter who played, we were sitting top. And, and, and kind of, I got to the stage two games, I think, two games before, three games before, that we knew we were pushing for the title. And we kind of, the guys were, you know, we, we had all, all sorts of, you can imagine having guys like uh, Brucey and Georgie and George Maguire and people like that on their side. Uh, it was just non-stop comedy going on all the time eh? so everybody you know introducing ridiculous games into training and, and it was like the, the official and it's probably the first time I'd seen the, the slide on the, the park you know and uh, Doc Morton and his wife went sliding across the park and things like that you know because that was training night couldn't do anything else yeah. you know so what, what we're going to invent right let's do so we kind of knew we were heading towards it if the weather stayed absolutely immense uh, so we we got, I think there was 18 games in the league, and I think we only played 12. Uh, but everybody else was the same, eh? It was just one of those seasons, eh? Mm-hmm. But we got to that Friday, and we knew the call was coming. So, as as is our want, uh, myself and Bruce and a couple of the other lads played the rain card uh, and got on it. Uh, <laughs> and then everybody was told, no matter what happened, everybody was told to rock up with a bottle of champagne the next day. Uh, because we knew it was going to be a great season, the best season we'd ever had. Uh, whether we won it or not was going to be the case. So, anyway, the game was binned on the Friday, so we knew we'd won it. So, we rocked up the next day, and as is our want, everybody rocks up with, with pomaine, maybe <laughs> apple ties, whatever that. And Neil Tranter, who's a, a lovely gentleman, rocked up with half a dozen bottles of the real McCoy. Was he? Right? <laughs> so, that got into the dressing room straight away. First thing we did, get it and sprayed it all over the dressing room oh, no. and just sank the ball main. And you could see right. Neil Tranter going, that's a disgrace. Hold on now, what's going on here, guys? And we just said, all right, Neil, you want to sip of that ball? Nah, <laughs> pomain, apple, t- whatever the hell it was. It was just rubbish, but we just drank everything for the next three days, I think. So it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So George Maguire, he was always a guy, of the guys that I played against, there was a couple that I wanted to talk to you about. George Maguire, he was an yep. absolute, I hated playing against George Maguire. He would just keep angling away, angling away, angling away. I just, and he was always yep. on the money. From ball one, it was just, I mean, how long did he yep. play for? Oh, he played quite a, quite a long time until he got, uh, he got remarried and then moved down to Ireland. He's another guy who's on our Zoom meetings all the time. Eh? Yeah. Uh, still one of my, one of my best mates in, in life. Basically, we, we, we started secondary school on the same day together. 
so he played a long time for the club. Uh, but yeah, you're spot on. Uh, another guy like that around that era uh, was Alan Appleby at uh, Presswick. No, I hated him. And length, you mentioned him last. It's always, always good with, with flyers. <laughs> Ars was a mate of eh? But George, it was always great because Bruce or myself, we always captain at the time, we'd always turn around and say, George, just one more. And he'd go, aye, fair enough. And we used to call it, he just got the test tubes out because metronome, outside, outside, outside. And then suddenly, as soon as he said last over, it was the back of the hand, slower ball, bouncer. He was all over <laughs> the shop. Eh? He just uh-huh. six different balls that he'd never bowled before in his life. Eh? <laughs> but out came the test tubes and you shout, test tubes, we'll go there. Aye, last over. Uh, <laughs> but he was, he was a phenomenal bowler. He, he picked up so many wickets, you know. And if he wasn't, he was at that end, as a lot of clubs had one guy who did all the donkey work and maybe didn't pick up as many wickets. But at the other end, the pros and, and Brucey and whoever was there would pick up loads just because George was tying everybody like Johnny down. So. Yeah. It must have been absolutely awful as a batsman just knowing, see when somebody settled into that rhythm, you're like, they can bowl at me for 27 overs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, it was, it, the bizarre thing was uh, at uh, Webby was the occasional one, but you went down to Presswick or Ayrshire as they are now known, but you went down there to play them and it was Stanners. Alan Appleby and Andy Tennant, oh. and then maybe Webby, yeah. right? So what had happened was, if the wicket was turning, apps would be taken off, Stanners would start bowling spin, and Al- uh-huh. Andy Tennant would come on. Yeah. If it wasn't turning, apps would have 27 at that end, Stanners would have about 28, and then go to spin, and maybe Andy Tennant would get on. You know, but if you look at the stats from that era, the amount of overs these guys put in was no, absolutely phenomenal. And he went about twenty. Stanners was definitely one of the guys I hated playing against because he just gave you nothing. Yeah. And he was, but afterwards, again, first time, first guy in a bar, a few beers, long stories, loads yeah. of friends down here. But uh, he would just come in and just constantly nagging, nag, nagging. And you'd, you'd be grateful that Appleby was off at the other end, and then Andy Tennant would come on. You know, and he just waited. He had one ball. Andy Tennant had one ball. His first ball was either halfway down the wicket or absolutely right. ripping you apart. So if it was halfway down, if it was halfway down the wicket, you just went bang right, and went did. right, Tennant. What else have you got? <laughs> if it's right on you, you just went, oh shit, he's got me today. Yeah. Right, we're back on. Good night, mate. You're back with us. Okay. Sorry about that. We 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 we're, that we're, that right. that great. Yeah, well, well, we, I'm away we, getting 15 coffees there for you fellas. <laughs> we don't have a big budget on out the shoe. In fact, we don't have any budget. So, <laughs> so there's no way I'm paying Zoom for one of those professional things. That's not going to happen. Right, so right, mate. We'll just have to cut it. That's anyway, the, that's, we were, the, that's the way the world, mate. We were, talk, the world. we were talking about tenors and uh, his, oh, his, yeah. his moon yeah. balls. So you're right, I'd forgotten about that. When Tenors came on, he was quite, I don't know, sometimes he was on the mark from ball one, and other times it was just, yeah. you didn't know what was going to happen. Dolly mixtures, half trackers, the yeah. whole lot, and then the that was it. He'd, he'd just lose the plot. Yeah. And it was, it was a bizarre set of stops, as I said, where you just, you knew when you were going down the air that those were the bowlers, and that was it. Uh-huh. There was nothing else, whereas you went to other clubs and you went, well, well who's going to bowl today? And, oh, they've got a pro, they've got an amateur, whatever. They're. But just you just went, that's it. There's nothing else. There's nobody else going. And you've got Davy Hagel, one minute. Uh, Hags is, honestly, Hags is what, great, mate. Uh, we, we meet up at the, the Kelly Hearts games. Uh, he comes into, the, comes into Tyne Castle Arms for a couple of jars with him and Alan. And Hags standing up was just one of the best standing up keepers, but he'd stand up to anything. Yeah. And you would just get this constant buzzing in your lug, you know, trying to make, if Andy was having a bad day, he, you, you would think you were facing the world's greatest bowler. The Hags is just such a motivator. It was unbelievable, you know. And just be in your lug. And, and there was comments made this week about, uh, I think God, uh, Bruce Patterson was saying that uh, when you were facing Willie, uh, whether it turned or whether it looked, how to play it and everything like that. He says, but it was great. But then you had Bruce Russell at first slip telling you your hair was mince. What a fashion <laughs> trend. Where, where did you get those boots from? And, and it's stuff like that that I remember because as soon as all that chat was finished, you were in the bar and having a couple of pints and they're, they're friends for life, eh? And they have, they still are. And, and, uh, but yeah, just facing guys like that, 
with other guys working for them, made them more difficult opponents. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. And yet, St- Andy Tennant was, I mean, he's moved on to Scottish hockey, which is a bizarre twist because that, that was my other sport. Uh, and he's he's over at Stirling, or was obviously prior to this, over at Stirling quite a bit because the Scottish hockey squad never in train at the place yeah. at Stirling. Eh? So I still see Andy all the time and a bit of banter to him through. Eh? He's just a, he's a good bloke. He really is a good bloke. I always remember that when you played against Stirling County and, and you know, back in the sort of late 80s, early 90s, a lot of the sledging was quite sort of, you know, some of it was sort of nasty stuff and it was very personal. But the great thing about what Bruce did was that he would just put stuff that was just completely bizarre and off the wall. And in many <laughs> respects, you thought more about that than you did about the Because if somebody sledges you, you just say, well, that's it. But if somebody says, where did you get yeah. those shoes? And, and yeah. <laughs> you, know, you start I, I, thinking I, I, about that, it you off your game. I remember uh, we were playing at West Lothian one day, and I can't even remember the name of the guy. It was some Aussie guy, right? And he was rolling, running at the ball, and he was bowling away and bowling away. And I'd like anything, you have those days when you couldn't have, I could, couldn't have a coup in the arse with a banjo, eh? And he just kept on going, kept on going. I just kept on laughing, and babes was laughing, whatever was going on, and I like that. So we turned turn around the innings, and he just became really, really personal. You know, and I said, look, I'll take it all you want, mate. But as soon as, as soon as you get into the, you, you know, you're starting to talk about your wives and your girlfriends and mothers and fathers, said, I'm not having it. And babes went, I agree with you. Well, what would you do in this circumstance? And you, you're talking about the current climate. And we're saying, well, well, I would take the boys off the park just yeah. for this one guy. I would do, I. And babes went up to him. And next thing he was, he one past me and goes, well, your mother couldn't have got that one. Your sister couldn't have got that one. I just, oh, do one, mate. Eh? Uh, and he's just one of those guys, you know, who just... It got, it didn't get under your skin, but he just was, it wasn't nice about it, but our, our banter was always great, you know, it was, I mean, I had some lovely moments with, with the bees, as you know, Johnny, we played together quite a few times, uh, and you're standing at short leg with Omar bowling to another guy at Silly Point, and you never, you never talk to the batsman, you talk through them. Uh-huh. You're always talking about Jesus God. This guy's not got a clue, is he? You know what the hell is he doing with that? What put a bell on it? I don't know. You want to put a bell on it? Well, somebody's got to do it, you know. And it was just idle banter. But the guy, every time the guy tried to get involved in the conversation, he just turned round and walked away from him. And went, mm-hmm. Come on, mate. What's going on? What are you going? And you just go next. Uh-huh. And you, and you, you knew you'd got inside the guy. You know, yeah, and yeah, now, yeah. Some of this, some of the stuff now I've heard, and it's just, it's not funny. <laughs> It's not very, it's, and, it, and it's not very clever. That's what I always thought. No, when not, you were getting when you were getting sledged at, at Sterling, it was always a it was funny and b it was actually quite clever what they were trying to do. The same thing happened on a Saturday night, mate, after the game because that's that's why we became all such a good friends, eh? Because the banter was always it was good, but. Uh, I, I listen to stuff now, especially with the new rules with the umpires have got control. I just can never remember an umpire stepping in to any of our games and saying, don't do that. Will you stop doing that? Will you cut that out? Other than the, the late, great Hector Blackburn, he would just tell you to do one and fuck off and you can't do that, you can't do this. And wouldn't have hit another set of three. Who are you, who are you paying for? No, it's, oh, just, but Hector now, Blackburn, he was fantastic. Was he from Strathmore? Oh, no, no, he was he was a stolen man. Was he? He was a stolen man. Eh? He had the uh, reddest he face. He got he got involved with St. Modens to start off with, and then it became. I mean, he was a really good umpire. Uh-huh. A really good umpire. Uh, and I could, I'll give it the one story I always remember was Hector finally got his international cap against the West Indies, uh, Grange, and he was so chuffed and proud. And he says, "I don't know what to say, but just." He wasn't the tidiest of guys, let's just put it that way, right? So we, he got smartened up for this occasion, right? So at the end of the game, they're doing the presentations or whatever, like, and, they, and somebody goes, I would like to present Hector Blackburn in commemoration of his first ever cap, we'll get that. And Hector says, can he smoke it? Can he drink it? And I can't fucking stay fucking used to me. And then just walk out of the building. <laughs> Jesus, this is it. This is Hector at his best, you know? Uh, but he was just that sort of character. He, he just he was a, a lovable rogue, I think, is the expression these days, or was an expression in everything. But, uh, yeah, he was a nice bloke, nice bloke. And I, I don't know whether or not there are the characters as far as the umpires are concerned 
Um, I know Beardseye's gone back in. Beardseye's doing a bit of, of uh, umpiring. There was that guy who was the prison warden. Can you remember yes. him? Oh, oh, I can't I, remember oh, what the guy's Ross. name was, but he was a prison warden. And I tell you what, you, you would... From up, would, from up north, Ross. Was yeah. Ross? Uh -huh. Kenny Ross. Oh, he was the scariest yeah. guy. He really was. And he, <laughs> and he, and he was useless as well. <laughs> it, it, Ken, you knew when you got Kenny that he was going to give... Like, if it got to the end, towards the end of a game, he would just go... Well, if this hits the pads, we just forget about it because eh? we're all going off. And it didn't matter where it was; you just went, "That'll do it." You know, it's all don't don't uh, sweep in Scotland. That'll do, mate. You're gone. <laughs> Kenny, you're in a rush to get back to Inverness. Aye, well, you know, we've been here long enough. Kenny, <laughs> off you go then. Aye, fair enough. But the, the, there's a few floating around uh, who get more and more involved. I think one of the problems is they were crying out for umpires, so people were given the technical stuff. So I think that's, and that's actually like a lot of players. They're given the technical stuff, but they're not given the, the non-technical stuff. You know, the, the bit where you can come and go a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. You can have a chat with somebody afterwards. You don't have to just say, where's my 35 quid, please? I've got to go. You know, mm -hmm. I, the set is a, a classic example, as you said. He just gets his 35 quid and fires it over the bar. And, you know, he's, he's old school. Uh, and there's still a few of them floating around, eh? Uh, uh, Mr. Gemmel as well, he was still going strong. I, I don't know, well, I hope he's still going strong. Uh, but there's a few uh, who who know the, know the script. And it's quite funny because now, I would have said, in the earlier days, I would be talking to the pros and the players, but I really wouldn't approach the umpires. So now, maybe I'm of that age that the umpires approach me now, and we have a good banter about the, the girl. I like Dowdles is an odd guy you could spend hours talking to. Uh, but yeah. Dowdles is... Traveling, traveling on a different path from everybody else, I think, at the moment, umpire-wise. So. Did you see that video when he tripped over the sight screen? I know. Magic, eh? <laughs> just brilliant. Absolute gold dust. <laughs> he's, he's just he's just one of these guys. And I actually went to see him, believe it or not. This is several years ago. I went to see him in Panto, right? Because he'd been oh, saying about all his acting career. Yeah, <laughs> he, did, he did Panto, yeah. And... Uh, it was like uh, I can't remember even what it was, but uh, uh, it was just—it's just brilliant because it was like you know, it was—it was all fancy whatever it was. I, I, honestly, I can't remember. And I just went to see it. I said, "I've got to see that." And Alec came out and said, "Did you go and see us then?" I went, "Yeah, you were really, really good. I enjoyed it." No, because I do the younger ones were me and other like, so it wasn't uh -huh. too bad. I disguised what I was actually doing. Uh, but yeah, that was—that's part of his acting. Opera or whatever the hell he does, he, he does all sorts of stuff. I don't yeah. know if he does as much now because obviously he's away, or seems to be most of the time away in Dubai or Emirates or somewhere. Like I, I wonder, with as, as far as umpires are concerned, that you're out there for such a long period of time. It's not like an hour and a half in rugby or football. I mean, you're out there for seven, eight hours, mm. and you've got, I think, the best umpires were the ones who were prepared to create a relationship with the players, whether that was on the field, yeah. but more importantly, off the field, because that's where you get to start yeah. to know guys. Um, you know their foibles, they know yeah. what they're worried about, etc. And I think that's so, so important. And so few umpires actually, I think, bother to do that. Well, I wonder, yeah. I don't, I wonder if the, that thing you, you touched on it, John, about Create them having to intervene more and it being seen as this really professional yeah. and like strict thing then makes it really hard for you to have the or harder to have the, the personal relationship off the pitch because if you're sitting having a couple of pints with guys and you say that was a shit decision I made do you know what I mean third ball of the first over and you give stuff away then does it lessen your legitimacy for the other games yeah I, I mean that is a fair point and I, I... Harsh to say, but I think there was, there was umpires who did harbour grudges against people, uh, mm -hmm. one or two floating around, shall we say. But uh, I mean, see, see somebody like another a late great uh, John Templeton as well, a decent umpire, but John made mistakes. And but the first he liked to pint with the best of us, uh, but John would always come in at the bar and you, you'd be able to say, John, that was mince, and he would go, Well, I thought I was actually doing this. I tell you, well, it wasn't he doing that, uh, and you know, that sort of stuff, and you'd go. All right, okay, fair enough. I remember March. Uh, we played at Kelburn one time. This is a, a, a one with March, and I can't remember who the umpire was, but uh, March bowled this guy, 
up for the big LB March special, down on one knee, praying for Britain. <laughs> uh, umpire gives it, and so usual throw the ball back to the umpire, and March is away talking to us, and I was talking to the umpire. He goes, eh, well, would you, would you, was, it, was it hitting off or hitting like He says, well, I don't know, but I, I forgot that March pulled the leg break. And I went, what? He says, yeah. Yeah, that was good to see him because it's good to have variation. And I kind of went up to Morts and Morts. Morts, that guy thinks you bowl leg breaks. Don't care. I'll do it again. And I bet he gives me the same LBW shout. And that was how you <laughs> played. I mean, Morts played the umpire so well. Yeah, you know, he yeah. knew how he get down. And uh, and it's just things like that. But I don't think the umpires now are, I think you said, but they're just not you know, uh, a bonding squad that's down there. They're just, they've got rule books coming out of every, uh-huh. every orifice, eh? Uh, and, you know, find them five runs, find them, let's do this, do that, overrates, everything. I mean, back in the, the day, we had to bowl 18 overs an hour, right? And the, there, was, there wasn't the, the definite, definitive uh, whites down leg side of that sort of stuff, eh? Mm-hmm. So 18 overs an hour was a tight shove, and you, you did get fine points. But now they're wanting you to bowl so many overs per. I can't remember what it's at, you know. And they and they say, yeah, but everything that goes down the leg side's a white. So you're you're literally having to. You'd be lucky now if you were trying to bowl seventeen overs an hour. You'd be lucky if you weren't actually trying to bowl twenty overs an hour. Mm, just because, of the, because of the wides, the wides. Yeah, because yeah, I mean we didn't. I mean wides were serious wides. Eh? You had to have a serious wide in those days, but. The leg side wide's a great idea as a batter, uh, but it's uh, for a bowling point of view. Jesus Christ, trying to get through that many overs, but that's that's what they want, and and that's the kind of thing where you say, as an amateur, you're supposed to get through 17 overs an hour, including wides, but at test match level, you can bowl 13 and bowl them eight miles outside leg stump and eight miles outside off stump and not be given. 13 overs an hour seen as really really good. Damn sure want more than that for my money. <laughs> John, just before we came on, I was talking to Chris about um, an off-spinner, and I don't know whether or not you would have played with him. I think you will have done Willie Taylor. Oh, yeah, it's tennis. Yeah. Yeah, I played, so, I played a couple of games uh, at Beesway. Willie was just a phenomenal character. Eh? Uh, the ultimate... I don't understand a word you're saying, Willie. That's <laughs> exactly God, what you're <laughs> he used to speak yes, at a hundred miles. Really. He used to speak at a hundred miles an hour, and he just could not understand a word he was saying. <laughs> not, not a single word. And he, he, he come afterwards. I mean, he, he turned. He got the. He got the yips when he was bowling at his later stages. And then he became a batsman. Right. And at that time, we had the central or well, central belt side, eh, which was infamous for uh, yet another. Saturday night, we're either in the back cave or the pavilion at Williamfield trying to find our 11th player because uh, we knew we had enough talent. Eh? And Willie, Willie got himself involved, and, and Bruce said, I better get my bowling. And I went, You sure he's on form? Because he's batting now, he's not bowling. Ah, Bruce said, I'll give him a bowl. And I think he got, he got three for about 25 in two overs against <laughs> the South. And we went, He's been hit for 25 against the South, eh? <laughs> get more. And then, and then that was it. Willie was just there. He was a great fielder. He was a good fielder. Yeah. Uh, and he was just in the side for that. But yeah, a hundred mile an hour. I didn't know what he was talking no, about. No, no, no. He, he just he was he did something with the ball, and, he, and and as a character, he was he was a great guy to have in the side. I mean, the side was kind of split. Stenish Pierre Stirling uh, with the West Lothian boys as well. So it was a decent side we had at Central, mm. and that's where I came across Willie more than anything else because Stenny's were in the East League when we were playing that sort of level eh? because we had the as I said we had the East League the Conference the West uh, the National League the Counties so that's six six or seven different leagues maybe we played in but we came across all the guys you know whether it be like ourselves when we when we were playing with Scotland or or when you're you know a district game which was I I thought they were real district games in those days so uh, but that's the way it so, was, eh? So, uh, yeah, he was, a, he was a nice bloke. I'll give him that. So, take us back to your career then, John, and g- give me three players, batsmen, that you thought, you know what, they were the real deal. Amateurs. Amateur. Uh, against, playing against, would you say, yeah? Yeah, playing against. Uh, one guy underrated, uh, but always and a great friend as well, uh, Davey Fleming, uh, Babes, Fleming, at yeah. uh, West Lothian. 
Uh, I thought he was a phenomenal bar. Uh, we just didn't seem to get him out. Uh, he just came in with that, you know, he had that cultured extra cover drive and his funny running style that he always looked like he was running 100 mile an hour and he wasn't. Uh, <laughs> top bloke, top though, top bloke. Uh, we also had to think uh, Burno, Neil Burnett. Uh, at, uh, again, another classic, classical player uh, with the ability to destroy people. Yes. Uh, when he got on his, on his, got his run, uh, they would be, certainly from the county side of things, uh, Bruce Patterson, without a doubt. You know, I could add in Phil Pate into that. And I mean, my era, uh, in our area, you try to get in the Scotland side when you got Bruce Patterson and Phil Pate in front of you, which just didn't forget that for the game of darts. Uh, but yeah, Bod, Bod was one of these guys who I thought was a genuine, genuine cricket. I was, I was amazed that Bod never went on to a higher level because uh, I think he had it all. You know, in, in terms of batting, he had patience, he had yeah. confidence. Uh, I'm just a phenomenal stroke play, you know. But uh, yeah, ever, he always seemed to score runs, and uh, and at Scotland, the full play obviously was kind of Aussie stroke, uh, Scott stroke, any beer cave that would go near him. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he was just for Scotland and for Senny's brilliant, absolutely. He was one of like opening batting with him at district level was absolutely incredible. You know, I, I knew how to run that fifth ball. Uh, get, get down the other end as quick as possible. Unlike Johnny when he ran me out of Old Trafford to get just because he wanted to get on. There's never a single Talking through it, Johnny. Never a single I can't remember that. What, what was... It was a flick off his hips that went straight to square leg and he called one. He oh, was, that was supposedly was that the to Andy player. I think that was to Andy Hayhurst, the best. Yeah, something like that. I, uh-huh. I think it was a Johnny Abraham's benefit season. And I was just enjoying myself, scored a few runs, but obviously I scored too much for Johnny's concern. <laughs> he got 49 too, that's the annoying thing. He got run out, I think he, no, he didn't get run out, he got bowled on 49. I was going, how the hell can you get bowled when you're on 49? <laughs> there we go, the get. Uh, yeah, so I would say, I would say those... Three or four would be up there for me. Uh, top, I mean, Burno is. Uh, I, I keep saying it, but all these guys are great friends, you know, and all all the people that I brought, Burno, Stevie Plummer, a great mate, and Chris Plummer as well, you know, and, and just guys you meet. But yeah. Burno yeah. was Burno through. Uh, I think he had. You now where, where was Burno? He, he was in Aberdeen. Played at Manifield for a bit. Uh, he was did. a good player in those days. Uh, justifiably picked. Uh, but there's other. There's other top players around and around it's just I just thought there was a lot of good players around mm-hmm. uh, I'm not no disrespect to the current club I'm, I'm not convinced they're as good of players but then it's a different era you know people have got 25 shots for every ball now yeah. you know and, and you say to yourself well why can you not play a forward defensive you know, but <laughs> that's, that's just the way it goes nowadays eh? everybody's yeah. coming out with everything so and I admire that and I, I, I do try to do that whenever I was doing a bit of coaching I always try to encourage people to, you know, to do that sort of stuff eh? but back in the day I, I mean the experimental shot for me was just straight back over the bowler's head eh? and that was it and people were going you can't do that to opening bowlers I don't you know and, and that was always my it didn't matter who it was whether it be a pro eh, an amateur whoever it was eh? if there's space it's going to get hit and I don't really mm. care uh, yep. But you had other guys you came up to, you, so that wasn't very classical. Now you look at it, and everybody says it's classical. I went, there you go, it was ahead of my time. <laughs> <laughs> if only. And finally, Johnny, what about um, bowlers? Who do you just hated um, batting against? Well, Stanners, definitely. Yeah. Stanners, as a, uh, as a pro. Uh, there's a few guys, uh, the likes of, uh, I would say, Appleby, I think we kind of touched on. Uh, <laughs> but a guy, uh, Peter, uh, maybe underrated, but well, he wasn't underrated because he played a lot of times in Scotland. When I first started, uh, Peter Rind, uh, Rhino at, uh, at Forfa, and, and he used to rustle in, you know, he was one of these guys that always wore his thistle. And you kind of, well, you knew in those days who was going to get the wickets. You know the old expression, he's got the thistle, he's getting the wickets. Yes. Uh, so Rhino would run in as an opening bowler. Uh, and he would still, even though he was, he was, he was quick, and he, but he'd, he'd always challenge you. And then he would come in, especially as a new guy. The new guy comes in, he would get one round the teeth, eh? And that would be it. And, and he just wouldn't give you any space to work. 
And as, as a 16, 17-year-old facing this guy, a very experienced cricketer, mm-hmm. uh, he would, he'd always look to nick you off and then he would give you that, you know, that bowler's grunt whenever you played a shot. You know, that... <clears throat> and then you go back and say, well, this one's going to be even quicker the next thing. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, again, I, I use my strap line, always first in the bar with his hand in his pocket. Uh, and I learned, learned so much about facing the, the quicker bowlers through Peter because he would say that, you know, how bowlers would line you up, and it was something, as a 16, 17-year-old, I'd never come across. How yeah. they would say, well, they would look at you, move you across the crease, and then think, well, he's all right there, but he's not so secure there. And then next time up, he would, you know, line you up to do exactly where he wanted you to go. And it was mm-hmm. then I kind of learned to say, well, I tell you what, I'm going to line you up and take it the opposite way and say, right, okay, my chance to uh, try and prove that you think I'm crap over that position but I've worked really hard at it and, and Rhino was this sort of guy who taught me all that sort of stuff just over a couple of pints at Fort Hill Yeah and again that's something I think because everybody's sometimes not even showering, they're already in the car yeah. and they're way halfway down the road that you're just, you've lost that mm-hmm. and it's such, certainly from, from yeah. your point of view clearly that you're learning so much as a kid of 16, 17 in the bar with, with, uh, with the oldies, you're just learning so much. And that seems to, to a certain mm-hmm. extent, have slightly gone out of the game. Yeah, I would agree with you there, Johnny. I mean, the likes of, I mean, when you face the pros, we talked earlier about some of them are now just money sort of people, uh, but they're, they're there to earn money, which is fair enough. You know, it's, it's what their job is. Uh, but these other guys in our era were guys who were quite willing to talk to anybody. Uh, a guy I made great friends with, uh, Peter Clifford, who was the pro uh, to Clackmannan. Phenomenal, yep. but absolutely phenomenal player. Uh, and Cliffo, has got, he's got involved. He's an umpire in Australia. He's, he's, we've stayed in contact. Uh, and he's brought his EMU guys across, the under-21 guys. He's brought them across uh, last year, I think. Yeah. And we were just speaking to him on the email uh, last night that he's wanting to bring the guys back across uh, just because they learned so much for talking to people from a different country. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as they send these guys across to learn how to play on this sort of surface. Uh, and you learn that just by having a chat with these guys afterwards and they were quite willing to, because they knew they were only going to face you one more time. They weren't giving away trade secrets and telling mm-hmm. you how to get me out sort of thing, but they were helping you try and uh, improve yourself as, as a cricketer, which is something I don't see a lot of these days, you know. Yeah. In, out, shake it all about, and away we go home. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> you mentioned something there about thistles, uh, and back yeah. in the day, and you don't see that now, but back in the day, you always had the guy who had played for Scotland, and he always used to come in with his, his, his jumper on. Yeah, yeah. It was always the case. I mean, um, the fella Swan, he always used to do that. Yeah, Richard Swan. Richard, uh, Terry Rakionzer always had the, the oh, thistle. Man, Pete Duffy, I remember, always bananas. used to have the thistle. Yeah, if it wasn't, if it wasn't a jump, because it, it's funny, with, I was talking last season uh, to one of the a young guy, I don't even know his name, right? I was just passing comment on a, it was an under 16 game at the new place. And uh, the whole team rocked up in tracksuits, polo shirts, hats, <laughs> had the Scotland sweaters, had Scotland, millions of things. And the guy says, it's really good all this gear we get, you know, when you play with a collection of representative stuff from under-16s, under-19s, was in the cupboard of the trophy cabinet. And it was two white caps with a thistle, and that's all you got. (laughs) You got on the bus, you got on the bus, and the guy went, there's your thistle, mate, well done. And then that was it. Not even two, just one white cap uh-huh. with a thistle on it. And that's all you got. Yeah, you got. A, I think we. I think when we got into the breeze, you got a, a sweater with a, a blue thing on it, no badge. Yep, that's and right. That was all you got. And, but and was, now you go, Jesus Christ! Everybody in their grannies played for Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> but you never, you never got presented with anything. I remember when I when I when I played my one no, only game for Scotland, handy. I I had to actually go and ask the president of the Scottish Cricket Union to present me with my cap because what they did was they just flung it at me in the dressing room. No presentation, nothing at all, no pictures. And it's one of the, it, it was the best idea in cricket that I've ever had was to actually get, the guy was Neil Bowman and I, I had to, and he wasn't keen right. to do it. I had to force him to do it. 
and there's this cheesy photograph of me <laughs> accepting my Scottish cap. And it is absolutely nothing else other than, other than that. And I remember there was there was a box yes. that arrived, and we played at Glen Park, and a box arrived, and it was like flies around shite. It, the box arrived, and of course all the old guys like <laughs> Filthy and Bod and all these guys, they knew what the was in the box, okay? And they were just ripped off the box, yes. took everything out, and I sort of meandered <laughs> over about five minutes later, and I ended there was one there was two shirts left one a short sleeve and a long sleeve small so i had to try and that's get into this <laughs> nothing you got given I remember uh, brucey came back uh, they played at titwood i can't remember what the game was and for some don't ask me how they did it but the oakley guy rocked up you know with right. a, a rake of glasses and all that right uh -huh. and brucey came back to the club with about five pairs and i mean <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's about 500 quid worth. He says, yeah, the guy for the Oatleys guy just, you know, threw a million glasses in the change room and just helped yourself. And he you just watched a swarm of <laughs> intelligent guys diving in like yeah. two-year-old kids. Glasses! In. I went, cheers, Brucey. And he kind of gave them out as, as Brucey always did. But, oh, now I look at the, as I say, I look at the kids now and I go, Jesus Christ, what a load of kit you're getting, you know? Uh -huh. <laughs> useless kit that's what I always used to talk about what, yeah. what useless kit are we yeah. getting okay. <laughs> what are we getting now I mean I even remember my, my under 19 cap was very similar to use I, I got on the bus I can't remember we were playing I think we were playing at uh, Appleforth is it Appleforth or something like that yep, college. anyway whatever it is we got on the bus at Edinburgh and the guy went just help yourself there's a box at the back just grab yourself one cap well, they went in a box and there was just a pile of... Everyone was the same size. One size and fits never, uh, <laughs> Too small. There you go, take yourself a cap, right? And it, all these guys are sitting with white caps on. Under 19, travelling down on the bus going, what the hell are we doing here? But anyway, that was it. That's all you got. That's all you got. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, this has been absolutely fantastic, John, going through memory lane and uh, getting a catch-up with you um, I'm, I'm hoping we'll get some cricket at some point during the season um, yeah it's I think it'll just be friendly I'm guessing yeah I think that's the way it seems to be looking we're uh, we, well we're prepared we've done our, all our bits and pieces with all the hand sanitizers and all that sort of stuff we've had to do for the ground I think that's going to be in place for quite some time mm -hmm. uh, and yeah uh, People keep saying to me, oh, the ground's looking fantastic. I said, well, it is, because nobody's playing on it. <laughs> you know, it's bound to be fantastic. Wait till somebody gets ripped into it with some ill-fitting studs or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, think we're, I think we're looking at friendlies. Uh, and I think the major concern for us, if you look at the ECB rules, which aren't what Cricket Scotland are going to put out, hopefully, uh, it's just about physically impossible to actually, you know, keep a control of it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The rules and regulations, but if we're playing friendly, you start saying, "Well, how far do people really want to travel? You know, and <laughs> are we going to get any decent ones? Are you going to just end up playing local stuff, which yeah. is okay in the west? Uh, but we're kind of, as we find with our juniors, a lot of times maybe west sides don't want to travel through at six o'clock on a mm, difficult. You know, a, a, yeah. A, yeah, it's difficult, totally, and I, I fully appreciate we're the same when we go the opposite way. Eh? So we're kind of furthest away in the west. Uh, so. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of uh, you know sentimental games there that you would like to play. We'd obviously like to remember Morts play against Watsons. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a couple of other players who've uh, played for the club and <clears> passed away over a, this period. Eh? But so th there's lots of things you can do. But I think shortened versions 20, 2020. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe a local side is playing against each other, but you don't know who's still going to be around. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, you're right. But, uh, yeah. We hope. We hope. And if, if nothing happens. It certainly got better, uh, or the chances got better yeah. uh, of playing some cricket, uh, and we and we are prepared as a club. I think there'll be one or two bits and pieces as usual. There's always Sunday moans about something, eh? uh, <laughs> but uh, we're we're kind of hoping we'll get some sort of cricket, if nothing else. But the problem's going to be if you're not going to be allowed to use your bar and you're not allowed to your social areas, how do you bring any money in to justify yeah. a groundsman yeah. cutting the wicket? You know, so. You can't trade at a loss. But, eh, you never know. Uh, right. Things might change. 
we've, we've certainly booked in for a, the Hogman A match on ice, hopefully. Uh, we played that many times ago at the old William Field, so I think that was Willie's last uh, ever performance at uh, William Field was on ice. So. Was it? Well, hopefully that, that might go ahead this year, and that might be our only game. Good, 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 good. Uh, well, Listen, we'll walk video. you to the exit, <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you soon, John. Lovely. Take care, Johnny. Chris, all the best. Thanks very much. Speak to that, mate. Bye-bye. That was good. Excellent. He's, he's old school. That was good value. Old he school. is, yes. Definitely. It's interesting how much now we've done, obviously, a few of these sort of older ones and the names that keep popping up, like that guy, Bruce Patterson, his name comes up repeatedly. That yeah. guy, Appleby, seems to, <laughs> seems to arc all the batsmen we speak to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um and I see Shaky's, Shaky's still going with his, his YouTube. I'm going to try and help him out. There was a guy, I was going to tell you about this earlier. There's a guy I used to play cricket with. Now, this is when I was 14 or 15. A guy called Billy Nelson. Okay. okay. Now, if you know your uh-huh. boxing, you'll know who Billy Nelson is. Now, Billy Nelson is now the premier Scottish boxing coach. He's coached a guy called Ricky Burns. Okay. So he is the real, real yeah. deal. And he came from Govan. And he rocked up at West and he played at West for about three seasons. He opened a batting with a guy called Peter Lee and he was the funniest guy. <laughs> he really was. Anyway, so Shakey's wanted to try yeah. and speak to people in boxing. And uh, so I'm going to in see boxing, if I can, yeah. I can get in touch with Billy Nelson and, uh, and put him in touch. So we'll see how we and go. Come up. Yeah, Shakey's got bigger dreams than, than our lowly <laughs> podcast. I think that's right. <laughs> yeah, we know we know where we are. Exactly, we know our place. Absolutely, and that's fine. <laughs> oh, I don't know who excellent. we'll try and get so, on. Who's next? Who have we got lined up? I don't know. I'd like to get, I'd like to get Greg Williamson on. I think he would be quite good. Um, he would be forthright in his comments. Yep. Uh, so I'll I'll see if we can tap him up, uh-huh. and we'll get him on next week. Excellent. Excellent. Right, we'll right. call it. We'll call it a quits there, then, eh? Sometimes yeah, absolutely. right. Absolutely. Sometimes wrong. Always. Always certain. Goodbye. Cheers, Johnny. Thanks very much, Have mate. Have a good weekend. Cheers, buddy. Good